today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Uh, and it's an alphabet soup of things that one needs to do to go from debit to credit. And we saw a big opportunity of automating all of that. So putting together all of the different infrastructure pieces that you need to launch a credit card program, building in the bank sponsorship and the credit line, and then working with our GC and chief compliance officer, who is a former FDIC regulator over banking and credit cards, to actually build a compliant program that teaches someone how to create their own product from soup to nuts. So I kind of equate it to my son's Lego set. I get a box with a bunch of little pieces in it and an instruction manual, and it takes me step-by-step step on how to build a rocket ship. We bring that same flavor to building your first credit card product. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. Embedded finance is becoming more competitive. New platforms are launching and existing platforms are expanding into new products and geographies. My guest today has seen it all. Dove Marmor has helped build some of the leaders in banking as a service, including Currency Cloud, Green Dot, and now Rails Bank. Rails Bank's Chief Operating Officer for North America, Dove Marmor, joins me on the podcast to talk about embedded finance, where the market is headed, and who's best positioned to take more market share. Rails Bank is launching in the U.S. with its credit cards as a service solution to both fintech and brand customers. Dove Marmor is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. So my name is Dove Marmor. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Rails Bank for North America. Rails Bank is a four-year-old fintech. We're backed by Visa, Clocktower Ventures, Anthos, Ventura, and a bunch of other companies. We've raised about $47 million to date. And what we do is we're a platform for building financial products. Uh, today, we have about 200 companies that build on our platform, and they represent 4 million end user accounts on the platform. We recently acquired the UK assets of Wirecard, uh, and we've launched in UK, Europe, Singapore, and the United States. And I lead our US business, and I'm responsible for the build out of our new credit card as a service offering. Awesome. Now, Dove, you're you're in rarefied territory. There've only been there are probably less than out of 400 episodes of the Tearsheet Podcast, or maybe less than 10 who have been invited back on for a second time. Um, this is not the first time you and I spoke. You, we spoke when you were at Green Dot. Can you tell us about your background and how you got here? Sure. So at Green Dot, I led the banking as a service business. Uh, we built embedded financial products for large tech companies like Uber, Intuit, Stash, Wealthfront, and a bunch of others. Um, it was a great business. It was basically helping these tech companies kind of create their own financial products and embed those in user experiences in new and innovative ways. And I guess if we go back one um, previous role, it will cement you as sort of the embedded finance guy of the year. Um, but it also is, it has come full circle in terms of Rails Bank and Nigel, right? That's right. So before this, I led the launch of Currency Cloud's US business. So our CEO, Nigel, that was the prior startup that he founded. It was a platform for building cross-border payments companies, and uh, it allowed you to build a Western Union competitor in about six weeks. So his mission has always been to democratize access to financial innovation from a B2B perspective, right? So to actually power the, comp the world's future innovators in financial services and give them all the infrastructure and the tools they need to create great products. Awesome. So let, let's talk about Rails Bank and, and I guess what you're bringing to the U.S. market. Sure. So the big problem we've identified is everyone who's launched a debit card has credit next in their sites. It has different economics. It, it helps them reach a broader swath of the population. Um, it just has a bunch of features that you can't do with debit on its own. 
Um, but most of those companies have also been blocked because of the incredible complexity of actually building a credit card program. Because on top of the processing and the cards and all the things you do with debit, you also have to learn to manage credit and raise funds and manage risk, uh, different elements of banking sponsorship, different regulations. Uh, and it's an alphabet soup of things that one needs to do to go from debit to credit. And we saw a big opportunity of automating all of that. So putting together all of the different infrastructure pieces that you need to launch a credit card program, building in the bank sponsorship and the credit line, and then working with our GC and chief compliance officer, who is a former FDIC regulator over banking and credit cards, to actually build a compliant program that teaches someone how to create their own product from soup to nuts. So I kind of equate it to my son's Lego set. I get a box with a bunch of little pieces in it and an instruction manual, and it takes me step by step on how to build a rocket ship. We bring that same flavor to building your first credit card product. So the credit card as a service, does that exist? Does Rails Bank offer that right now um, internationally and you're bringing that to the US or is this just a, a general rollout across all localities? So it's a great question. So we're a global company and actually one of our differentiators is that every API that we create in a customer facing format is country agnostic. So we'll use functions like open accounts, send money, receive money, check transactions, run credit, right? So the idea, everything that we're building on credit card as a service is intended to be expanded globally. The concept of Rails is that we connect those customer facing APIs to the backend supplier rails that power each one of them. So we'll have a credit rail, we'll have a banking rail, we'll have a payments rail. So the first go-to-market region for credit card as a service will be the US, but we've mm. built it in a way that we can very quickly expand it across the other regions. The same way a product that might be first to go to market in Singapore would be built in a way that we could expand it to the US. And where that becomes really powerful is if you're a global app or a global rideshare company or a global e-market uh, e-market company. Today, if you use a domestic vast infrastructure, you actually have to go build your product 10 times if you're in 10 countries. With RailsBank, you build the product one time, one set of APIs, and that same experience can exist no matter where you are in the world. So that becomes very powerful as the world becomes more and more global. Yeah, we, we've heard from, um, well, last week at the Tearsheets Embedded Conference, um, as well as on the podcast, we've heard a lot of the CEOs of the of the platform companies talking about going international now. They've started US-centric, and as you said, they'll have to, I guess, rebuild in each, each country. But internationalization definitely seems like um, it, 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 these firms are competing on a, on a global level now. Do you see it the same way? Yeah, I think, look, the biggest companies, they all need companies that can support them globally. So it's become an increasingly large demand of the customers that everybody wants to go after. Uh, where I think we just have a leg up is that we designed the core of the platform to be global. And it's a lot harder to take a domestic platform and make it global after the fact. So let's talk a little bit about, I guess, credit card, the credit card market in the US and, and why you saw an opportunity there. Sure. So if you think about debit cards, uh, I don't really spend money on my debit card. I use it to go to the ATM basically and the rest of the time I'm spending it on my credit card. Um, I spend on my credit card because of rewards, uh, because it lets me pay it once a month, because I don't want to watch my balance going down. There's a bunch of different psychological issues that happen around why I pay with my credit card. But credit cards are pretty basic financial products. Like there's nothing special about the experience and it doesn't really connect with anything. 
So as an example, I love Alaska Airlines. And before COVID, I would be flying you know, once a week on Alaska. And I always use their app. It's really incredible. But if I get the Alaska Airlines credit card, my credit card experience lives somewhere else. I have to go download a second app. And I use it just like I would any other banking app. Why isn't that experience living inside of the platform and the brand that I'm already going to to do so many other things every day? And the reason is, you know, co-brands are built on a legacy kind of static infrastructure where they can slap your label on it and kind of at the end of the day. But I think today's brands are moving more and more into embedded experiences to ensure that the customer can remain on their platform and they can get more and more value out of offering services there. So on a typical credit card, people are probably going in and checking their balance and they're checking their transactions on a regular basis. Now, every time they go in to check their transactions, they're also seeing, hey, there's a good deal to fly to Hawaii. Hey, there's a good deal to do this or a good deal to do that. So it brings customers back to the experience instead of living them, letting them live in a separate bank's experience. So that's kind of one area that I think, you know, the co-brand market has a massive opportunity for innovation that just required a bit of a vast thinking to be applied to it. The second market is that you have all of these massive fintech brands that have been hugely successful in acquiring customers, right? And all of them are today debit only and they all wanna move into credit. And I think there's another big opportunity in enabling them to do that um, by being the simplest, fastest turnkey solution to get a product like that to market. Because no matter who you are, if you're the biggest company or the smallest company, everyone has the same goal. How can I get product into the hands of my customers quickly so I can learn how they use it and have them define the next stage of my development exercise. And today it's, here's a three-year contract, hopefully you figure out in three years, we think we can do a better job than that. Interesting. And, and do you see a lot of um, your initial customers uh, in that second realm where they are actually have a debit card in market and they're going to, they're looking, I guess, to, to launch an ancillary product and credit? Um, or are, are you seeing some clients launching directly into credit? Some launch directly into credit. Uh, so what's cool about you know companies that want to build credit cards is they typically have an existing customer base and they're building products to meet the needs of the customer base. So if you have, uh, if you have an affluent demographic and you're offering them a debit card, chances are you're just not generating the spend that you want because that demographic is used to spending on their credit card. So how much more so could you be top of wallet if you provided them the financial service that they're more likely to consume? If you're operating in the less affluent section of the market, so customers that have are debit card customers traditionally, you can use the data that you have on that customer around them always paying their bills on time and having a direct deposit and knowing that they have a job. You can underwrite those customers differently and perhaps give them access to credit that they wouldn't get going through a traditional channel. So there, there's lots of different use cases. And I think each company that builds on a BAS platform has a different customer need. And what we try to do is turn those you know, disparate customer needs into a core tool set that lets you build a bunch of different things. Do you have specific use cases that you can talk to, I guess, with some of the companies in the pipeline, even if you can't mention them by name? Yeah, I mean, so a lot of them are interesting rewards-based programs, mm -hmm. right? So tying rewards to other aspects of their ecosystem. Um, other ones are mixing credit and investing, right? So today, we, my, my points on my Amex go into this bucket of points that I don't really do anything with. They just kind of sit there and pile up. Uh, imagine if instead those points went into an investment account that generates an eight to 10% annualized yield. Nice. Uh, we're looking at cases with charity use cases. So could I take the points that come from my credit card 
and have those directly, fun directly funneled to a person in need and have a charity match the balance on that, right? So there's lots of really cool use cases that folks are coming up with and every day we hear a new one. Uh, the idea is that we can provide that kind of core platform that can build all those different varieties of use cases. And most of the innovation and differences come in where do the points go and how does that operate? Awesome. And and I guess, can you speak to the ecosystem? I mean, I you know, we've, we've had the CEOs of some of the other platform companies talk about credit being next. You, you referred to that, I guess, in, early on in our conversation. Um, what's happening there at the platform level? So it's all about, everybody kind of wants to own like a little piece of it, right? Like we just want to do this or we just want to do that. Mm -hmm. I think to be truly turnkey, you have to have all of the pieces combined and have to be able to do it in an economic way. So in credit, you have to have the bank sponsor, you have to have the API stacks, so all the tech, you have to have the credit line, you have to have the servicing, you have to have the risk, you have to have the compliance and you actually have to make it deliver it in a format that's easy for companies to understand both business people and developers. So a lot of what we invest our time and effort into doing is creating that customer journey from a B2B perspective and make it as strong and as slick as a customer journey that you would see in a typical B2C company, right? So one of the things that we're building right now is a end-to-end -end prototype powered by RailsBank's APIs. And it shows every cool widget that we could possibly think up of, think of and exactly how you build that widget using the APIs. So this is like the Lego, the Lego sets that I'm talking about. You can have a rocket ship and you can have a Mars rover and you can have all these other items and each one has its specific instructions and pieces on how to build it. That becomes super powerful. Nice, I like that imagery. Uh, when are you planning to go live in the US? Uh, in the first quarter. Okay, great. Um, and, and you mentioned Rails um, being uh, kind of a global first company. Um, can you talk about some of the challenges and opportunities there, I guess, in terms of building a global culture, building sort of launch teams, I guess, to go into new geographies? Yeah, so we've learned a lot through experience. Um, so Nigel, this is his second or third global company. Um, so one is, it, we, we start with sort of our 10 principles and things that are super important to us as people that operate within the Rails Bank culture, right? So things like we move fast, mediocre is not enough, uh, can't list the whole, the whole thing off the top of my head, but there are basically general guiding principles that will tell the employees of the company how we think and how we feel. And we place a lot of effort and scrutiny into our hiring process to ensure that we're hiring great people that meet our cultural values and are going to get along with the rest of the group. The second piece is that COVID has basically made us all remote. And one of the things that I've learned through that is I've been able to tap talent from all across the United States that growing up in a uh, in an office-based work environment, I might have not hired. And through going through that experience, I've found that people work as hard, if not harder, from a remote environment. You can collaborate in real time. You're not wasting time driving to and from work, which I did an hour each way for the last three years of my life. Um, so all in all, that's been really powerful and being able to hire the right person for the right job, regardless of where they're located. And then the yep. third piece is really kind of creating a global infrastructure. So we have our global leadership and our global plans and our global strategy, but also hiring regional experts in each region to run their own businesses. So I have a lot of autonomy in terms of building a U.S. product to meet the demands of the U.S. customers, but within the context of our global platform, right? Because one of our key differentiators is the fact that it's global. 
So figuring out how to work locally, but also with global leadership and ensure you're creating one central vision that works anywhere in the world. It's challenging, but it's also exciting. And one of the things that would set us apart. And I, I guess we can end with this question. Um, you, sp- you spoke about a sort of differentiation that RailsBank ha- will have in the US and the credit card as a service is kind of owning the entire chunk of it. Um, is is the platform business a winner-take-all business or will there always be opportunities for different platforms to own different pieces of the market? I don't think it's a winner-take-all. I think it's going to be a few winners that take all. I don't think there's going to be enough enough meat on the bone for too many players. Um, so ultimately, you know, I think you have to have scale to operate this business. Uh, I think you have to have the right partner-centric mindset. I think you have to really invest in the programs that build on your platform and, and ensure that they're successful. And I think you have to be fair and transparent in pricing. So all those things combined, you know, I think are going to set RailsBank apart from what we from from some of uh, some of the others in the space. Um, but also just the reliability and the scalability and kind of everything else that we build in our tech stack. I think those are super important to uh, to create a, a long lasting uh, competitive advantage. And as big, te- you know, we had the the Google Plex announcement earlier this week. Um, is do you see is big tech a client of of the platforms, or will big tech become sort of their own sort of platform? I think big tech is a client of the platforms today. Who knows what happens five years from now? But the core skill set of building a platform is understanding the payment rails and settlements and kind of all this really complicated back office infrastructure type things. Um, I don't think that's really the core competency of the big techs. The big techs really know how to manage user data. Uh, They know how to acquire customers. They know how to build fantastic product experiences. So I think the right partnership is big techs as partnerships with best platforms, Uh, but they do have tremendous resources at their disposal and could, could probably very competently compete in space. Dove, it's great talking to you again. Thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast. Thanks a bunch, Zach. Pleasure.